You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. room on the bench, you can grab a seat on the floor or something. I'm going to take a little bit of time. I want to do something special this morning because of the day. This Easter, I'm not sure if your mom and dad have told, you guys can sit up here in the front here too. This Easter is a special, special day for us. 
as we're followers of Jesus, especially at church here, we want to celebrate all that Jesus has done. So I'm going to do a drawing. This is really for your parents, but it's for you as well. I'm just kidding. It's for both of you. It's, it's for everybody. All right? So I've done this with my kids, and so I wanted to do it with you because I love you guys. I do. I truly do love you. I pray for you all the time because I love having you here at the church and, and learning about Jesus, and that's the most important thing you'll ever learn about, especially in our schools today. Right? Amen, parents? Amen. All right. All right, so here we go. God, pretend you're at school with Jer. School with Jer. Can we say school with Jer? School with Jer. You guys are awesome. You guys are the best students I've ever had in my life. All right, so God is like everywhere. I tell my kids, like, if I'm God, and this is the whole time of the, all of the universe, look how small that is compared to me. Like, that's why God can go, I am the alpha, which means beginning, and I'm the omega, which means the end. I am everywhere at all times, and I can see all it. And he's like, I can see you right there. All right, so this is, that's that drawing, okay? This is the pen, the beginning all the way to the end. God sees everything. He's outside of time. And so parents, we're talking about the last four Sundays, all right? So this is the, this is the summary for the last four Sundays or the last four messages. We have the story of God here. If we have creation, you're going to see how clear my writing is, right? I'm really messy on the whiteboard. So number one is creation. D creation, nice. Do you guys remember what happened at creation? At the beginning, who are the two people? Yes. Adam and Eve, you're the best. All right, so we have Adam and Eve. All right, I'm awesome at drawing. Do you guys like my drawing so far? No. <laughs> Kids are super honest. I love honesty. All right. All right, so here, what's in the garden? Is a guard. God created them in a garden, right? So do you guys know what that is? Nice. I was hoping someone would say broccoli, but so it's a big tree, right? And what happened in the? It's a big broccoli. It's a big broccoli. What's what happened in what happened in the garden? L, do you know? Apple, right? Well, we don't know it's really an apple. You can tell she's my child. She knows all the answers. All right. It was a fruit, right? It's a fruit that Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and we call that sin, and actually we call in the Bible, it's the fall of mankind. So that's the second part of the story. We have creation, which is perfectly good, and then the second one was the fall, where that's where sin entered into the world. Remember, I don't know if you guys were here when we threw the dart or the, the axes at the target? You were there. Nice. And we threw the axes at the target. And if you miss the target, the perfection of the holiness of God, you're actually unholy. You've sinned against God. And so I drew a line like this. And this part right here is really important. So this is what mom and dad and us, we were talking about when you guys are in Sunday school. We were talking about Genesis 3.15 where God cr cursed the snake and he made him crawl on his belly and eat dirt. Have you guys ever eaten dirt? Yeah, a couple of you are raising hands. Moms and dads, pay attention. That will come out later in a weird way. All right? You've eaten dirt too. Awesome. All right, so that is the fall of mankind, but this is, this is going to blow you away. You guys ready for this? Watch this drawing. See if you can figure out what it is. I'm really good at drawing. 
<laughs> what do you think that is? <laughs> a, sheep, a dead sheep. Smartest kid in the universe right there. Why? Because of the X, all right? <laughs> he can't open his eyes anymore. He's dead. And so what, what happened was God killed a sheep or an animal. We don't actually know killed. And there's like stuff you can like, let's just pretend that's some blood. All right, so this is, gore. This is PG, all right? We're going past the general, all right, admission. All right, so this is the blood shed for the sins of Adam and Eve. And he covered Adam and Eve with a skin. So now they're covered with animal skin. It's pretty cool. Any dads hunters? All right, you guys got a dad that hunts? All right. Oh, pretty cool. All right, I'll speed it up. Thanks for Cruz. We'll speed it up. Okay, so Adam and Eve covered the sin of mankind. And then he brought in Noah. You guys remember who Noah was? What did he do? Made the ark, right? Because the flood. You guys are so smart. And then he brought Abraham and Moses. And what did Moses bring? What did God give Moses? Two big tablets of what? He gave him two tablets of apples. No, two tablets, yes. Two tablets of stone. Well done. What was on that stone? You know all the answers. Commandments, nicely done. Moses gave the, how many of them? 1,800? Two commandments? Well, now you're, now you're getting way ahead of me. Ten commandments? All right, awesome. Remember that, ten commandments. That's really important. All right? So we're going to fast forward a little bit. We talked about, you know, you get King David, which is a really important figure in there as well. And then something happened over here because these people weren't good enough, Right? They couldn't pay for this sin of Adam and Eve. They're not good enough. They try to be good, like we try to be good with mom and dad, but we just never are good enough. And so what did God do? He made them good, yes. How? How did he make them good? Yeah. By talking? That, that's one way of trying to make someone good. Yeah. Yeah, he killed all of them, okay, in Noah's Ark. That's way back here. Well, what God did was he sent, okay, listen, this is a really important part of the story. God sent because none of everybody, no one was good to live up to the Ten Commandments. And so he sent Jesus, right, born of a virgin, Mary, and perfect. So now Jesus is perfect, unlike these ones. And then he lived, and then what happened after he lived? He died on the cross saying, it is finished. All right, that's French. All right. All right, so we got three. We got, I missed something here. Redemption is initiated, which means, which means freedom was started. All right, so God not only cursed Satan, remember this, parents? God cursed Satan, but at the same time, he caused hostility between man and woman or man and God. He actually started the redemption plan. So that's the really important line. And then here we have the accomplished work of Jesus. So accomplished, which means that freedom that was started is now finished. 
Does that make sense? You know how when you start a race and you start running, that's what here, you start the race of freedom and here you finish the race of freedom, all right? So accomplished redemption right there. And that's an amazing big part of the story. See, there's two dots on the line. Do you guys see them? Those two dots are really important. So God here covered Adam and Eve in what? Sheep's clothing and animal clothing. God it covers us now in what? Clothes of what? Is it a living cloth now? Because this is dead clothing. What was this? Remember who was on the cross? Jesus. Jesus, right. So he closed us with Jesus because why? What happens on Easter? Because he rose out of the tomb, right? He's now alive. In Romans chapter 6, it says he, we live with Christ and we died with Christ. We're buried with him and we're also risen with him. That's why we talk about baptism because we're now up out of the grave in Christ. It's really cool. So this part of the story is amazing, all right? And then there's a whole bunch of things happening here. But at the same start of Accomplished Redemption, we talked about this on Friday's mom and dad. If you've never listened to that, listen back on Friday's message. This is the mission of the church. This is what we're called to now. To go and reconcile, make, make things right between God and us. And the only thing that makes us right is this story. You guys repeat that for me, okay? What makes us right with God? This story. this story. What is this story? Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Really big word, all right? Life, death, resurrection. Really important because guess what? This sheep points to Jesus. Noah points to Jesus. Abraham points to Jesus. Moses points to Jesus. David points to Jesus. All these Ten Commandments are fulfilled in Jesus. Adam and Eve point to Jesus. Everything is revolved around this. And then guess what? There's an end of the story. And we're going to talk about this as moms and dads. Is the fulfilled redemption. That Jesus one day is going to do what? Do you guys remember what Jesus is going to do? Dance? No, no, he's not going to dance. You, do you do you know what? Je, what is Je, what are we waiting for Jesus to do? Come back. <laughs> Nailed it. He's coming back, and he's coming back for who? The church, because he ascended into heaven and left us his Holy Spirit to do the mission of the church. But he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for everybody who has confessed him, which means I believe in Jesus and I want him to live for me. I want to put all of my sin on Jesus to die on the cross so that I can live. This, everything is so about this one, the life, death, and resurrection. Does that make sense to you guys? So when we confess Jesus is Lord of our life, we will be saved eternally because he's coming back for us. And the sad part is, this is why we talk to our friends about this, and that's what we're talking here at church is that there's a whole bunch of people here that haven't confessed to Jesus. They haven't confessed and believed in this story. And so guess what? They're going to get judged by the Ten Commandments. Have you ever told a lie before? Yeah, we all have, right? Me too. And we've taken maybe something that doesn't belong to us 
like those muffins back there. I'm just kidding. Maybe a pen or a pencil at school and we've taken it and it really didn't belong to us. That's called stealing. Well, we're going to get judged on all this Ten Commandments and that we're not, it's not going to go good for you. And it talks about a place called hell. And that's the perfect justice that's coming for all those. And so that's why we need to really think about this and go, you know what? We got to tell our friends and our family about Jesus because that's the only way we're saved. Does that make sense, you guys? That's the big story of the Bible. So let me pray for you guys as you go off to Sunday school, okay? And then moms and dads are going to talk for a little bit. And you guys are going to have an Easter egg hunt after. Easter represents this. So when you find an egg with chocolate and all kinds of goodies in it, what are you going to remember? Jesus, thank you. Good answer. All right. That this is yummy. <laughs> right? No, we're going to remember that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. This is the most important. This is why we celebrate Easter. All right. So let me pray for you guys, okay? So moms and dads, before I pray, you can pick the kids up at Sunday school, and then you're going to go directly outside and collect a whack load of chocolate, and it's going to be good. All right? So Linda will lead you out there. All right? So let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I thank you so much for these children. Uh, you've put a deep love for, for uh, them in my heart, and, and I know for the parents as well. And I, I just pray, Jesus, that we will be faithful moms and dads, faithful church, that we will present this gospel, this story of you, Jesus, that you are the coming Savior, and that these kids will confess you at an early age and believe in you in their heart with all their mind, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I pray that for us as parents as well, that we will surrender the things that maybe have gotten in the way. And we too will surrender these things for your name's sake and your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right, we can stand up and you guys can head off to Sunday school. All right. Oh. Hey, Shane, can you come on up here and help me uh, drop this down? As we're dropping this uh, board down on the ground, why don't you guys stand up and greet one another? Greet each other with a holy kiss, as Romans 16 says. All right. Let me sneak by you guys real quick. Good answers. All right, all right, we'll grab a seat. Uh, let me just grab a seat and then uh, let's get started here. So good again to have you this morning. Love talking to kids. It's one of my favorite things to do. Talk to little children. I'm so excited for them to learn about who Jesus is. Uh, he is risen. 
He is risen indeed, absolutely. We have an empty tomb and an empty cross and, and a full heaven waiting for us uh, upon his return. I don't know if, you, if you've thought about or just preparing your heart uh, for this day. Uh, I'm actually really excited just to, just to encourage you to prepare your heart for every Sunday. And that's through the week, right? Monday through Saturday of just reading the text of Scripture and preparing your heart to, to hear and be encouraged on a Sunday morning to go out again into the midst of your neighbors and your family and friends and your workplace to share this amazing story that I talked about the kids with. And I, I've been praying for you this week that you, you might be prepared for today, that you might be prepared for this amazing day. This is the greatest day 2,000 years ago that took place in the Christian faith. It's an amazing day. And there's one more greater day that's coming, and that's when Jesus returns. And we get to see him face to face. There's no more dimness. It's going to be clear, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm not sure if you've thought about that. Like if you've thought about this amazing day that is coming for us. And that's why I wanted to talk about the crown this morning. And we've talked about creation, like I've said in the, in the story on the timeline with the kids of creation, then the cradle of Jesus, and then the cross of Christ, and now here the crown, that he's coming back as our king. He's coming back as our Lord and our Savior. And the day of atonement here for this Easter Sunday is the most celebrated day in the Christian faith around the world. And and I've been praying for you that you might just be renewed in this story and remember uh, this day because 2,000 years ago, this is the day that we as Christians have gotten an eternal kingdom solidified in Jesus, his resurrection. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, we're believing in nothing. Like this is foolishness. But he's risen. He's risen indeed. And we have a king now. To worship and in that faithful, fateful day, like the disciples were hiding away, and then when they found out that he had risen, that they had begin to see him and, and talk to him and touch the holes in his hands and his side and and see him and the blood stain on his clothing, they began to get out of hiding and they began to proclaim the good good news of this story. See, we set up parades, we set up every single TV news camera out when the queen comes out, right? And does this amazing wave. Like, what's it going to be like? Have you ever thought about, like, what's it going to be like when Jesus returns? It's going to be amazing. Like, we have a book in the Bible here, in the back, right at the end, and, and all, also in between. Like, I've been reading Zephaniah and Malachi and, and Daniel, the book of Daniel, and, and First Thessalonians, and, and now Revelation. It's just like... There's so much telling us of what's going to happen. What is it going to be like? And it's a apocalyptic literature, so it's a little bit different to read. And so it, it's, but it, oh my goodness, it is so sweet and so encouraging of what this day is going to be like. There's going to be thunder and peals of lightning and earthquakes and all kinds of things. And we're going to see Jesus riding back. And I just want to give you a little bit about that story here. In, in Revelation chapter 19, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It won't be on the screen. So just turn to, in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. And in verses 11 through 16, we get a little bit of a glimpse of how Jesus is going to return. He came as a baby the first time. He's coming as a king the second time. It says in chapter 19, verse 11, Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. 
His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Now that right there in the Word of God should spark you instantly to go back to John. And in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then when you skip down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you keep reading in that, it says, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen. Now these armies, if you read all these books that I've been reading, you'll start seeing that these, this army is the church. The church that went through tribulation and persecution and, and lost their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And they're going to be arrayed in white robes and ride with Jesus in this war. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is how Jesus is returning. He's coming as King. He's coming as King. One other chapter that I want to, if you flip to the left there in chapter 7 of Revelation, you can also see another amazing image. And this is the image really of the church, what we're experiencing today all over the world And it's going to be, when we get to heaven, it's going to be an amazing worship gathering. It says this, starting in verse 9 of chapter 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb. He's the perfect sacrifice. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And this is what I mean, what I read before. This is where those white robes and the people dressed in it come. And he said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. This is the confession I was talking about with your kids. When you confess Jesus, when you take the blood sacrifice that he did for us, you are washing yourself in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God now. They stand, think about this, standing before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. 
and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our coming king. This is our coming king. When I read that in my teens, like my late teens, I was like, I want this. I want this. Like when I read that, I was like, I don't need anything else. I want to wash my robe, my, my life in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to serve him with all my heart, mind, and soul because I want this. I want the shelter. I want the life. I want the life eternal. This life has nothing compared to what this is saying. Nothing. And this is eternal. This life is fleeting. In other parts of the scripture, it's like this life is like the dew on the grass. It's, it's around in the morning then gone at noon. That's our life. Other parts of scripture is like the, the chaff, like the, the wheat stalk. When you grab the wheat stalk and you kind of grind it up in your hand and you just go, and all the light stuff just flies away. We are like the chaff. One day it's there and next day it's gone. This is eternal. This is our king of kings. And this is how Jesus is coming. You see, Jesus first came that we might have life and the life to the full. Jesus came that he might take the sins of the world. Jesus came that we might be reconciled to the Father. And Jesus came to give us that ministry of reconciliation that we talked about on Friday. The ministry of reconciliation that you can see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 21. That God reconciles us to the Father. And now he goes, now that you have this reconciliation with me, you now go and reconcile the world. And he says in that text, such a beautiful text, I plead with you, be reconciled to the Father. If you're not reconciled to Jesus yet, you're paying the Ten Commandments. You want, you're choosing to be judged by the Ten Commandments rather than getting the free grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus will come as the conquering king and he's only coming to save his church. That's it. So because, like I said earlier, this is an amazing day of celebration for all of God's people, this is the day Jesus fulfills his kingship and we get to worship him as king from this day and forever. So my outline for this morning is really quickly is for just three. Jesus is the lamb, Jesus is the rightful judge, and Jesus is the coming king. We need to know these three things. So Jesus is the lamb. See, we started with creation a few Sundays back and the curse of the fall in Genesis 3.15. We looked and found Jesus to be the snake crusher, but many didn't expect him to be the lamb. We forgot about the prophecy, the prophecy that he was to be bitten. He was to take the bite of the Satan, take the bite of the snake. In Revelation 5, verse 6, it says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. This is Jesus. He's the perfect lamb. He's the snake crusher. See, this takes us back to Genesis 3.21 where I talked with the kids, like that, that first dot on the timeline where it's like the cloak of animal skin. Where now we get to, like in Romans chapter 6, we get to now live with Christ, die with him, and be re resurrected like him, and we are found in Christ, it talks of. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 6-ish. Right, read it for yourself. I don't have time. We don't have time this morning. But it's such a sweet passage. 
This is why we do baptism. This is why we celebrate because it all points back to that central point of the story. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. This is why we get baptized, to glorify our Father, glorify the King of Kings. And Jesus has become our covering. So instead of walking in animalistic behavior anymore, just looking for where am I going to eat, where am I going to sleep, and who am I sleeping with? If you still have that cloak on, you will answer to the Ten Commandments. But if you live for Jesus and Jesus alone, you have freedom. See, church, Jesus is the Lamb of God that went quietly to fulfill and take the cup of wrath upon himself for our eternal hope and our salvation. And this has been told to us over and over in the Word of God. Back to the story of Abraham, when Abraham and Isaac went on top of that mountain and Abraham prophetically says to his son, God will provide for himself the Lamb. You can see that in Genesis 22.8. Or in John chapter 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist saw Jesus walking along the waters when he was baptizing others, and he points to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the question that has to be, when you read through that kind of stuff, when you read through the Bible and you see come across like that, have I beheld the Son of Man? Have I beheld Jesus? Is he my sacrificial lamb. And then again in the garden before hanging on the tree, he said this, Matthew 26, 39, it's on the screen. It says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew he was to be the lamb. Can you even imagine that? Like knowing that you were going to have this wrath poured in a cup and you were going to take it from before time even existed that you were part of this story. Unbelievable. To know this for thousands of years and then to enter into the story and go, all right, 33 more years to go and I'll be taking that cup. With faithfulness. For us, for us, for, for enemies. It's, it blows my mind. See, he knew he was to be the lamb to be slain for our sin. And this is the greatest act of love, to, to lay your life down for enemies. Like we are literally enemies of God. It says that in Romans chapter 5, verses 6, 8, and 10. That we're enemies of his. Weak sinners. And he died for us. It's so sweet. See, this is the greatest act of love. And the, the will of the Father was to slay his son for the salvation of those who trust in Jesus. It is by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that key part of the timeline that we are saved. See, Jesus knew from before time that he would take on the sins of the world, and he, through the word of God, he is revealing this amazing plan that he is the lamb to be slain for the world. See, Jesus is the lamb to receive the bite. And secondly, Jesus is the rightful judge. So we don't think, or we don't like to think of Jesus as the judge, do we? We, we like him as baby Jesus. We like him when he's healing people and raising the dead and, and taking away the blindness and the, and the mutes and the deaf. But to think of him as a judge, we don't like that. But it says it over and over again in the scripture. I'll start with Revelation 14, 9 and 10. 
It says, and another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath. Remember that cup that Jesus drank in the garden? That cup is also going to be passed to those that don't receive Jesus. And it's going to be filled up, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. I just want to stop here for a moment and just talk. Parents, you have to tell the whole story. That's why I didn't leave out the hell part. They need to hear that part. We need to hear this part. That without Jesus, the other option is hell. That's it. There's only two options. Either you receive and you pass on all your sin to Jesus or you go, I'm going to hold on to it. I think I can manage. I haven't lied for a while. I haven't stolen anything recently. So I'm pretty good. I'm a good person. So let's not get sidetracked on the mark of the beast here for a second because I know some of you might get sidetracked on that. But the clarity of Scripture tells us you will either follow and abide in Jesus or you will not. Two options. Either follow Jesus or you will not. And if you don't abide in Jesus, you will suffer severe judgment in the presence of Jesus. See, Acts 10, 42 says it this way, and he commanded us to preach. I'm commanded to preach this. You, servants of Jesus, saints of his, are also commanded to preach this. Commanded to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is coming as judge. He's coming as a ruling king and also as a priest. So I'm commanded to preach this as you are as well, that Jesus is the judge. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, we see it another way. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So if you're going to rely on your works, those works will be tested against the holy God. And let me just tell you, you're going to fail miserably. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, that even your righteous works, even the best things that you can think about. Look, Jared, look at what I did for all these people. Your righteous works will be looked on as worthless rags. That's how holy God is. Jesus is the rightful judge. When he returns with his army to take Satan and his army out in one final showdown, we see this final showdown in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 to 10. It says this, And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations. All people will be deceived that haven't received Jesus Christ. Deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. That's going to be a massive deception. Their number is like the sand of the sea. So it's a massive, endless army. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. See that next line? The army of God doesn't even look like they fight. Just fire comes down from heaven. 
I'm not sure if you are big fans of Lord of the Rings. The last battle, if you've ever seen this movie, the last battle where there's this new army comes in and they're like a ghost army so you can't even kill them and they just, they wipe out everybody that is evil. This is this war. There's, there's no chance for this people. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the judge. And this final battle leads to Jesus as the coming king. The book of Daniel is known as a sister letter to Revelation and we see here in Daniel chapter 2, 44, a prophecy given of this final judgment and coming king. It says this in Daniel 2, 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms that come up against it and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. It's really good when you start reading the Bible, there's really only one winner. And it's really clear. All the armies that come against Jesus will, will be wiped out. There's a winner, and it's Jesus. So you see in Psalm 44, 6 and 7, he is the king. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Or in Revelation 22, verses 12 through 17, it says, Behold, I, Jesus, am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. You, you don't want to stand with your works as your saving point. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the last one there. Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life. Remember that other text in chapter 7. Wash their robes in the blood of Jesus. So blessed are those who wash the robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. There's so much in these verses. It's amazing. Just the, when you hear gates, anytime you see the gates, you have to go back to John chapter 10. In verses 7 and 8, I don't have it on the screen, but John chapter 10 verses 7 and 8, Jesus proclaims himself as the gate. He's the only way through to the eternal you have to go through Jesus. And then again in John chapter 14, verse 6, one of my favorites, right? Where Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You have to go through the gate of Jesus. He's the only way. Because outside of that gate, if you try to enter into any other way, sorry, Outside of that gate are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Everyone that is trying to get in on just their works, they might seemingly look like good on the outside, but inside that's who they are. Sexually immoral, idolaters, sorcerers, liars. 
And it says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. It's so important to walk through this stuff. Then we might see that Jesus is the coming king. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And lastly, let me close with this, Revelation 19.5, and it says, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Praise him. This is our role, friends. Church, to praise the name of Jesus, to sing loudly, to greet one another with a holy kiss, to be so excited every single Sunday because I get to come to church again with the fellow servants and fellow saints of Jesus Christ. I get to celebrate. Like our family right now is celebrating a little baby born into our family and it's, it's a joy. Like we didn't know this person before. Now all of a sudden they're born into this family. I'm a grand, grandpa now. It's amazing. I'm so excited about this one. And I was talking to Gladys earlier about like we should actually have this same celebratory action anytime someone comes to Christ. We should be so overjoyed. They've just entered into the family. They've, they've understood that, that it's not their works. You'll go nowhere. It's Jesus, his work, his accomplished work on the cross. That's what enters you into salvation. So confess him with your mouth. I plead with you. Be reconciled to God if you've not been. I plead with you, surrender to Jesus. It's your only hope. There is no other way. You can try all you want. You can try to be good all you want. But what you're doing is you're comparing yourself not to your neighbor. You're comparing yourself to God. So how are you going to do in that? The problem is we don't do, right? The deceiver is going, well, you're better than that person. You're better than that person. So you'll get to heaven. Don't worry about it. Ignore these things. Ignore the scripture. Don't look to that. You're better than those people. But he never tells you that you're not comparing to them. You're comparing to a holy God. And there's no way you'll stand. So I plead with you. Be reconciled to God through Jesus. Surrender to him today. Fall in love with Jesus and if you think, if you think you can get there, you, you, you can't. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Jesus is the rightful, perfect, sacrificial lamb for us. He came so that we could live. Jesus is the rightful judge. Jesus is the coming king. May we all, like servants, be filled with joy to partner with him in his work until the day of his promised return. This day 2,000 years ago has changed the lives of millions of people. And my prayer this week, preparing for this, this weekend, has been that, oh man, I, I just pray that millions of more will get changed. Millions of more. Maybe, maybe there's one person in here that, that would be changed. I would love to talk to you. I would love to pray with you. And I would love to welcome you into the family. So let's respond with song. Ben, you can come on up. Let's celebrate his sacrifice by way of communion. Taking the elements, the body represented by the, representing the blood, the, the body is represented by the bread. 
the blood shed for us is a covering represented by the juice. So just take the bread and dip it into the juice and partake and, and remember that story, celebrating Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you. That's your only hope. So that's when we take that. It's like just a, it, it should bring you to emotional experience and, and just taking that and just going, oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for paying for my sin. Thank you for taking my sin. This is a, a weekly thing that we do here at the shore. And so let's celebrate that today. If you're not a Christian yet, that is reserved only for Christians. And so come talk to me. Let's, 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 let's talk about and let's pray for salvation for you. And then let's go celebrate the communion together. Let's also celebrate by giving faithfully to his church. This is his bride. It's his church. You are his bride. Let's take care of it. And by thanksgiving and prayer as well with one another. So I want to close with prayer. Would you stand with me? Not close. We're going to sing and worship our Savior, Jesus. But I found this book in my library. It's called Fount of Heaven, Prayers of the Early Church. And, and this one is suitable for this sermon series that, we've, that we're closing today. Let me pray. Let's bow our heads. Surely, Lord, you are the pure and eternal fountain of goodness. You are right to turn away from us. And in loving kindness, you had mercy on us. You hated and were reconciled. You cursed and blessed. You banished us from paradise and called us back. You stripped off the fig leaves an unattractive covering and put on us an expensive garment. You opened the prison and released the condemned. You sprinkled us with clean water and cleansed us from our filthiness. Adam will no longer be bewildered when you call. He will no longer hide himself, convicted by his conscience, cowering in the thicket of paradise. The flaming sword will no longer surround paradise, cutting off the entrance to those who draw near. All is now turned to joy for those of us who were once heirs of sin. We can now walk in paradise, heaven itself. And the creation once in conflict with itself in the world and above the world is now knit together in friendship. We humans now join in the angel song, offering worship of praise to God. For all these things, let us sing to God that hymn of joy, a song which lips touched by the Spirit long ago sang loudly in Isaiah 61, verse 10. It's saying, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And surely the one who adorns the bride is Christ, who was and is and will be blessed now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.